0: Welcome to Missio Day um, for those of you who, this is your first time, my name's Paul Vroom and I 'm uh, the lead pastor here and it 's my honor just to really uh, lead this ragtag group of people who are passionate about faith in Jesus Christ, who desire to um, sacrificially love our community, to uh, serve people who are in need and to draw people into just this ever deepening growing um, relationship with God. And uh, it's a messy business. It's a lot of fun. And uh, one of the things that we're going to be starting to do, and I don't want you to get overwhelmed, one of the things that we're going to start today with is a 70-some week series. And some of you, if you've ever gone to any kind of church, you're lucky to get maybe a four-week series. Uh, But we're going to walk through the book of Mark. We we finish walking through the book of Ephesians and really looking at uh, what, what does the body of Christ look like? Where is our identity found? Because the world just tells us, you know, your identity is found in, in how you look. Uh, what is your weight? What is your job? What is your income? Where do you live? What do your kids do? What do you do? Are Are you athletically inclined? Are you... Uh, academically inclined, are you great with your hands, are you this or that, and that's where your identity is found. In the book of Ephesians, Paul says, no, no, your identity is found in Christ, and in Christ alone. That's where your identity is found. And so what we're going to do is answer the question, well, then who really is this Jesus? If our identity is found in Christ, who is Christ? The world around us gives us all kinds of images about Jesus. And really, in our, in our time, this, you see a lot of pictures of Jesus. And he's really this kind of hippie-looking, tea-sipping kind of guy with a pinky up, blonde, flowing robe, kind of about two inches off the ground. And just, is a different kind of feminine Jesus. But we're going to be looking at the book of Mark. And Mark has a different approach as, as to who this Jesus is. So we're going to really go back and really investigate the vintage Jesus, who the real Jesus is. And so I'm going to invite you if, uh, uh, to open up. If you brought a Bible, awesome, we're going to start looking at Mark chapter 1 today. If you don't have a Bible, we have some Bibles here in the aisle, which can be passed down if you're in the aisles, um, to anybody who would like to have one. And it's on page 694 in those Bibles. And I encourage you, follow along. Because here at Missio Day, we believe that the Word of God is a, is a powerful um, story of what God is really doing. It's not just this uh, padlock for us to unlock the secrets of life. And if you do a little bit of Colossians and a little bit of Psalms and unlock a little bit of Ephesians and you do a little bit of this, all of a sudden all the secrets of life will unpack for you and your life's going to be perfect. But we believe that the Bible is God's work, God's story of what He is doing since the beginning of creation to the end of the world, what God is up to. The story of the creation, the fall of what he's doing to restore and redeem his people and to have a new world, a new life. So we're going to be starting in Mark chapter 1, verse 1 and reading through uh, verse 8. I'll read it and after I'm done I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And your response would be, thanks be to God. Read along with me the words that we love. The beginning of the Gospel about Jesus Christ the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for Him. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins the whole Judean countryside, and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I the thongs of his, whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the Word of the Lord. I don't know if you've ever been in any kind of relationship, whether it be a friendship, a dating relationship, or a marriage relationship, where um, you have had such a tremendous fight, that what seems like an eternity, there exists this silence. You get in this, this fight with your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, a, a great friend, and all of a sudden, you come to the end, and you can't even look at each other. And whenever you see each other in the house or in the halls, it's like, who's going to say the first word? You ever have that? Where you all of a sudden you go, okay, I guess it's me. I'm so ticked at you. I, am, I can't believe this just happened. I, everything inside me is just like rage. And so there's just this long, awkward silence. I think if we're really honest about our relationships, a lot of times we find ourselves there, even though, Some of us come from this Christian background. We want to say that we have these beautiful marriages and everything is hunky-dory. But if you really peel back the layers, there's those awkward moments of extreme silence. The book of Mark opens up with a message. It starts off by saying, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, these words. And Mark takes some sections from the Old Testament, words that he had memorized as a young man, words from Exodus chapter 23 verse 20, words from Isaiah chapter 40, words from Malachi chapter 3 verse 1, and he takes those and says, listen, there's a voice of one in the wilderness saying, prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way. And for us as, as North American readers, we're going, okay, well, that's really nice. Uh, there's, it was written in the Old Testament. Uh, I'll send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare, says, prepare the way. Okay, so that must mean somebody's going to talk about Jesus. But for these people of Israel, when they hear this, there's just this, seriously? A messenger is coming who's going to prepare the way. This was huge for them because in Malachi, end of Malachi chapter 4, the last book of the Old Testament, there was silence. For 400 years, silence. Silence from God. Silence. And for the the, the children of Israel, this was huge. Silence from God? This was the God that in Genesis took dirt, took dust, and breathed into this and created humanity. This was the God that chose to walk in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. To walk with His people. Share stories of creation. the Stories of what it would be like. Imagine Adam. Imagine Eve. Bringing children into this. Ah, beautiful. And these children think, this is a God of love and a God of relationship. A God of creation. This is the God of Abraham of Isaac and Jacob. This is the God that we see in Genesis chapter 12 that says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you and I will be your God and you will be my people. Ah, I love you. And you know what? I'm going to give you a land that is going to be flowing with milk and honey and it's going to be a great land. I'll be your God and you're going to be my people. And we're going to have this sweet relationship that is just going on. A time of of great famine took place and God provided for the children of Jacob by sending Joseph on to Egypt. You know, Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat. And uh, Joseph became this great overseer in Egypt over the storehouses of the Pharaoh so that the children of Israel would be provided for, would be cared for. So this loving God is just providing and caring and providing and caring in this loving relationship, putting them in the land of Goshen, which is just this rich, beautiful area. And after the time of Joseph, and after the time of the Pharaoh, a new Pharaoh came along, and there was just... Life was not the way it was supposed to be. And God said, I will provide a way out. But you're going to have to trust me. We're going to go on this long, long, long trip together. This journey where you are going to have to trust me. Where you are going to have to trust that I will provide for you in the wilderness. In the desert. Will you trust me? And they followed through the Red Sea into the wilderness. Again, God provided. And the fun thing for them was, by day there was a cloud that would lead them. And by night, there was this this pillar of fire. Fire. That they could just follow along and say God's presence is here. He's among us. He's. We can see that He is alive in our, our midst. Even the word tabernacle means the dwelling. God's dwelling. His presence here. God is with us. But over time, the children of Israel Their heart became cold. They started just going through the routines of life. The routines of sacrifices. The routines of service. The routines of just doing what they think is best. And God constantly is calling, sending sending prophets. The prophet Isaiah, the prophet Ezekiel. You'll, You'll see the whole almost end of the Old Testament of these prophets saying, Come back. Come back. Even there's this beautiful picture of, in the book of Hosea, where even Hosea's life is this, this image of a marriage that God has with the children of Israel. And Hosea takes on this wife named Gomer. Who would name their child Gomer? Let alone a girl. That poor girl got beat up in school. And she was a prostitute. And God is saying, listen, you, Israel, you are like Gomer. You are like Gomer. You prostitute yourself out. You, you don't live the way you're supposed to live. And there's this, this constant call of come back, come back, come back. Do you remember what it was like? Can you not trust me? Do you remember the old way of living? And finally, at the end of Malachi, God says, listen, enough is enough. And He says, uh, in verse 17 of chapter 2, you have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied Him, you ask? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and He is pleased with them. Or, where is God, the God of justice? Then God says, See, I will send My messenger who will prepare the way before Me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to His temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. The end of chapter 4 verse 5 See I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children the hearts of children to their fathers or else I will come and strike the land with a curse silence the god has that created humanity the god that loved and provided and journeyed with his people silence Not a word. And the book of Mark starts off uniquely. It doesn't start off like the book of uh, Matthew. That starts off with this long genealogy. Because Matthew was trying to prove to the Jews that Jesus is the rightful heir to the throne of David. He is the Messiah. It doesn't start off like the book of Luke where we got this beautiful incarnation of Jesus Christ, where the the God became man in this beautiful moment where Luke is saying, listen, He is truly God and He is truly man. It's not like John, where John starts off, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God. The Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Where John is trying to say, listen, this is the deity of God. The eternal God, the eternal word. And John is saying, listen, believe in this God, and you too will share an eternal life. Mark starts off differently. Mark starts off with the gospel, with an announcement. In the time of the Romans, whenever somebody would walk, an emperor would come into the land. They would send a messenger on ahead who would prepare the way. They would fix the roads. They'd clean up the towns because they want the emperor to be proud. To walk through perfect streets. Great towns where the people are prepared for with festivals. So there was this announcement that was going on this good news that the King is coming. And Mark is starting off saying this is the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. This is just where it starts. But it's going to continue on. But let me tell you how it starts. And it starts with a man named John. John the Baptist. That's not his denomination. That's what he does. John the Baptizer. John the Baptist comes and says, listen, I've got a message from old. I've got a message from the Old Testament that is for you today. God is about ready to break through. But, it's requiring something of us. It's requiring something of you. For me, this message has just kind of haunted me this whole week. Because it's, it's requiring me to put myself into the story. The story isn't just something that happens in, in the time of Jesus some 2,000 years ago. It's a story that I can find myself in. I'm finding myself listening to John and wondering, how do I find myself in this story? What is John saying to my heart at this time as he's using the words of the Old Testament uh, prophets? What is he saying to me? And he starts off saying, I'll send a messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. There's a messenger who is saying, "Listen, get your stuff ready for the king. Get your heart ready for the king." Ryan, throw up that that slide from Origin. Origin wrote in. Uh, about 200 B.C. or A.D., 200 years after Christ. He was born about 150 A.D. And uh, so he was very close to the time of Christ. And this is what he says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Must be prepared within the heart. So it's not like the Romans who prepared the streets and prepared you know, the external stuff. It's preparing within the heart. For great and spacious is the heart of man as if it were a whole world with all kinds of distractions and stuff. Prepare, therefore, in your hearts the way of the Lord by a worthy manner of life. Keep straight the path of your life so the words of the Lord may enter in without any hindrance. John is saying, listen, Prepare the way. Prepare your heart for the king. And there's some of us in this room, myself included, who go through our daily routine. We just do our stuff. We. We do this and we do that. We, we might attend a house group, a small group, which I'd highly recommend because that's really where the life of the church happens. You might be involved in a children's ministry. You might be involved in the road crew. You might be involved in these things. But I'm going to tell you, our hearts aren't, aren't really there. We've got this external show of life that looks really good and Christian or godly or moral, but internally, our heart is not alive and beating and pumping with the blood of Christ. Just saying, God, use me. And he's doing this, prepare your hearts, prepare your heart for the King. And John was speaking not to a bunch of, a bunch of pagans out in, the, out in the countryside. He was speaking to God's people. He was speaking to the children of Israel that knew the story of God, what God had been doing all throughout creation. He was speaking to the people of God. So today he's speaking to me, he's speaking to you, and he's saying, Prepare, get ready. Get ready. And John didn't go into the city. He didn't go into Jerusalem. The... He didn't go into the Metroplex and say, alright, we're in the loop now. Listen, people. I'm going to stand on my little box, get my little megaphone. You see, you've seen him on Michigan Avenue. And say, alright, repent! Turn! Turn or burn. You know, I, Laura and I were down in Millennium Park last week Sunday, and there's just this little guy with a little megaphone, just talking to people as they go by. You know, what about you? You know, and he just tries to send this little gospel message. And I'm going, oh, buddy, you're missing it. That's not how it's. That's not. That's not. That's not the gospel. That's not the good news. That's not re- entering into relationships, sharing what God is doing. We're not necessarily called to go. John wasn't calling going to the city and calling people. John went out to the wilderness. John went out to a desolate place and said, Come here. Come to an area where there's no distractions. Step out of your life that's comfortable, clean, upper middle class, white. Frankfurt, Mokina, New Lenox, Manhattan, Worth, wherever you're from. Why don't you step out of that for a little bit. Come to the wilderness. Why don't you step out here for a while. Where you don't have the buzz of schedules where there's some silence. And for the children of Israel, this would have reminded them of their journeys with God in the wilderness after leaving Egypt. Where God said, follow Me and I will take you to the promised land. I'll bring you to the The land that is flowing with milk and honey that is just where there's just abundant riches because we are going to be living together again. Come with me. And John says, listen, we need to go back. We need to go back to our roots, our place where we started in the wilderness and learn again to trust, learn again to follow, to be still. So I wonder, okay, if God is calling the children of Israel back into the wilderness to learn how to trust and follow and there to even repent, what does it look like for Paul Vroom? As I look at my my life as a professional pastor, I'm busy with the the work of church. What is it that God is calling me to leave? What is it that God is saying, Paul? Step out. Repent from that, because that's really not doing you any good. That's just busyness. That's just. Church stuff. That's not following me. What is it that God is saying? Paul, will you trust me? Prepare your heart, Paul Vroom. Prepare your heart for the King. What is He saying for you? In your workplace? In your personal life? In your marriage? In your relationships? What is he saying? It's time to step away. It's time to really focus your heart again on trusting and following. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for Him. So John came, baptizing in the desert region, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And I love it. It's a simple message. You guys are screwing up. Repent. You? Repent. Hey, wait. I guess I didn't get that quite right. Repent. One more time. Let me change the inflection. Repent. And he keeps on telling this message over and over repent, repent, repent. An uncomfortable word for us, right? Because we think we're pretty darn good. But he keeps on saying, repent. And look what happens the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to the desert. They all left. It's like, all right, if you say, we will go. It's like lemmings, and they fall off the perpetual repentant hillside into the sea. Repenting. The simple message of repenting and asking for forgiveness. Is that a spiritual discipline in our lives? Do we rec- can we take enough time in our lives to sit down and say, okay, God, prepare my heart for your coming For your use. Prepare me. Still me. Be quiet. And suddenly out of that quietness, that stillness, you become keenly aware of your condition. Keenly aware of how grossly fallen we really are. Could you imagine if the church of Jesus Christ, the church that's found at Grace Fellowship Church, the United Methodist Church, the Baptist Church, the Catholic Church, Parkview, Peace Community Church, St. John's over there, if we would become this church of Jesus Christ, of people of repentance, and saying, I have I have screwed up before God. I've screwed up with you God. I've screwed up with my, my neighbors, my family, my children, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, and I need to seek forgiveness. Do you imagine what would happen if we actually did that? What kind of changed lives really really come out of repentance? The word there is metanoia, the turning around, a full one eighty in our lives, of recognizing our current conditioning and turning from that and going in a different direction. It makes me wonder what is what really is health? What is health? Is it just uh, not having a cold or dealing with allergies? Or is health, spiritual health, emotional health, relational health, sexual health, financial health? And God is saying, maybe there's areas in, in those that you're unhealthy that you need to turn. And you need to repent. And honestly, that is probably one of the most uncomfortable things for a church to do. To be honest with each other and say, we have missed the mark. We have missed the mark. But Mark starts off with this for a reason because he is trying to show his audience this beautiful picture of a servant king. One commentator has described the book of Mark as really an extended prologue to the crucifixion. Showing this servant-like God who dies. Who takes on flesh and does these actions. And it's a call for us to be like our King. To follow closely after that King. But it requires us to prepare the way in our own lives. To check our hearts and say, what is it that I must turn from? So that I can be following more closely So that when I hear the name Jesus. My heart skips a beat. When I think of joining him in service. And expanding the boundaries of his kingdom. I can't wait. When I start thinking about my my checkbook. When I start thinking about my, my social life. When I start thinking about my work life. My life is reprioritized and in line with what God desires. Thy will be done on earth as it is in, in heaven. So Mark starts off with difficult words. And I promise that it's not always, I'm not always going to start off a series like this where I'm kicking you in the tail. But Mark does this for a reason. He's saying, listen, God is going to break through. Prepare your hearts. And for our lives, God is going to break through. Maybe you are in this, this time of where you just feel it's a desert. Prepare your heart for a breakthrough. And maybe for you, you don't get the gospel. You don't get the story. And that's Okay. Maybe you think it's a farce. That's all right. But think about it. Sit with it for a while. Look at the the longing and the hungering in your soul. Because you know what? There will be a breakthrough. Maybe today is that day. And John says, listen, after me will come one more powerful. One so great that I can't even untie the, the thong of the sandal. That is the skinniest piece of material on the dirtiest part of the, the Jewish body. The foot. I'm not even worthy to untie that little piece of leather on the dirtiest part of the body. I'm not even worthy to touch that. But there's one so powerful that's coming. I just baptized with water. Just a symbol of cleansing. But there's one who's going to come that will baptize with the Spirit of God. Get ready, people. Because this is the kind of God that is coming. And when He comes, you are going to be blown out of the water. So what is it this morning? What is it that God is saying to you? What is He saying to us as the body of Christ? What is it that we need to really be honest and repent for? And seek forgiveness from each other, from God, the community. I don't know how many of you have ever read the book Blue Like Jazz. There is this amazing chapter. If you haven't got it, ever read it, there's uh, some books back there for free. Um, And one of them is a book called Blue Like Jazz uh, by Donald Miller. And there's this section in there about um, they decided to do a carnival kind of thing um, on their, their college campus. And they wanted to set up a confessional booth where people will walk in and, you know, you, you've, you've seen them or at least you know about them. You walk into the Catholic Church. You sit on one side. The priest is on the other side. You confess your sins to the priest to be absolved. Well, they wanted to flip, uh, flip it around and say, okay, have people come into the booth and have the Christian confess to the world how they have wronged the world. What is it that we as a Christian community need to seek the forgiveness of? Raping and pillaging of the land just for our pleasure? Is it the misuse of funds or the poor care that We give of widows and orphans and those who are in financial need that we need a federal government to to care for others? That the church has abdicated its role in caring for its community? Do we need to confess for that? What is it that we need to do so that God can fully move in our community? In this community of faith, what is it? Again, I don't have answers. I don't have some nice, clean bullet points that this week we're going to do A, B, and C. And uh, everything is going to be hunky-dory. This is something that you have to go home and wrestle with. Where you look at, really introspectively, look at your life and say, God, what is it? Because I want you to move. I want that, that powerful God to move in my life. What is it? Maybe this week you need just to find two hours in a forest preserve, in the middle of nowhere, with lots of insect repellent and maybe a mosquito net, I don't know, where you find some absolute silence in your own personal wilderness to be still before God and allow Him to speak to you. Maybe it's just in the quiet of your home, your apartment. Maybe it's just in the car on your way to work and you For once, turn off the music, roll up the windows, and seek God. And say, God, what is it? How do I make straight the paths for your coming? How do I prepare my life for you to fully use me? Because, God, that's so what I desire. I don't know what you've got to do. I don't know what we've got to do as a community of faith. But I know that Mark says something. And it's the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. So as Jesus, as we watch this, we see this unfold. The good news of Jesus Christ, of how He moves and how He works and how He speaks to people. And I want to be a part of what God is doing. His activity. His moving. His breathing. His activity in our community, in our lives, in our marriages, in our relationships. How we disciple other people. How we reach out. I want to be a part of that. I want this community of faith to be a part of that. Be a part of a movement of God that is just amazing. And just be able to say to people, you know what? This is just the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, this is the beginning because... The kingdom isn't done yet. And we get to be a part of something. So we got to prepare our hearts. I want to be a part of something like that. The mission statement of Missio Dei Church is to be a church that, is, that has passionate faith for Jesus Christ, that loves people sacrificially, that serves people in need, and draws people into an ever deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to be a people of passionate faith. I want to, I want to join hands with John, John Beal with Kristen DeVries, Mark Sims, Lawrence Sanford, y- you put your name in there. I want to join hands with you and to be a community of faith that is just passionate about Jesus Christ. So passionate about Jesus Christ that Our hearts, we ask the right questions. We rid our lives of the right things. We fill it with the right things. And we so love people. We live and love sacrificially. That our hearts and our eyes are so ready and so peaked that we serve people in need. And that doesn't mean just going to to Joliet or the city to serve homeless people. But it's serving the people here in this community. It's serving our neighbors next door. It's bringing their, their recycle bin back to their house and saying, them saying, why are you doing it? Because you know what? Apparently you're in need. Because it's sitting there. When a kid shows up at Ranch Frosty and says, man, I'd really love to have an ice cream cone and rides off on his bike because he has no cash, you say, come here, kid. I'll buy you the biggest turtle Sunday you can, you can eat. You know why? Because you're in need. And I just want to show you this Jesus Christ because I've got passionate faith for Him. And you know what? Because of my life, my relationship with Christ, it's going to draw you into this time of questions and wondering and drawing you into this ever-deepening relationship with the Creator of the universe. I want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of a program. I don't want to be a part of a structure. I want to be a part of a movement of God where God breaks in every day. And I can't wait to join Him again. That's what I want to be a part of. That's why I like meeting here. We tear this down. You've got to go home. We can't afford to rent this out again for your children's ministry or your youth ministry. You've got to go and do it. Get out of your seat and go. And that's joining God where God is. In the community. In the world around you. In your marriages. In your Your dating relationship, that's where God is. So the question is, what do we need to do to prepare our heart? Like Origen said, the heart of man is very spacious and wide. How do we prepare the way and focus it on what really, really matters? Join me as we pray. Jesus, your name is is sweet. Jesus, you are holy. God, you are. You are a God that, uh, since the creation of the world, has been calling humanity into this this relationship with you. God, it's it's my prayer. It's our prayer. That we become a community of faith that's just passionate about You. That's willing to ask those tough questions, even if they hurt. That is willing to be this community of repentance. This community of seeking forgiveness of You. That is seeking forgiveness of the people in our lives, the relationships we're in. Whether that means our our children, our spouse, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, our best friend, our worst enemy. Whether that means the community that we're embedded in. God you you are calling us to something other. You're calling us to something greater. God, I don't have a full picture of that. And You know that. But God, reveal that to us. As individually, we, we contemplate what does it mean to prepare the, our hearts for Your full uh, involvement, for Your full coming into our lives. As we corporately prepare our hearts for Your coming and Your full involvement in our communal life. As You prepare This community, this community of believers, community of churches, this community of people who don't yet know You, Lord, as You prepare, teach us what that looks like. How to to be involved with You. So God, I, I thank You that You're a God who is willing to break through silence in our own lives. God, if there's someone here this morning that is sensing Your movement, Lord, I just ask that You break into their lives. Come crashing in. Show them that You are a God that is far more powerful than anything in his or her life. So prepare the way, Lord. In our hearts. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.